Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade. I'm also a witch. Everyone seemed to really enjoy practical magic. Like everyone really liked practical magic. So we tried to find another witchy movie and settled on Twitches. Childhood classic. So for those of you that aren't aware of this Disney movie, not Disney Channel movie, there's a distinction. But it still is in the vein almost of a Disney Channel movie, honestly, from 2005. Oh yeah, it is. Like, oh baby, it is. Um, at like the height of the Tia, Tamara, Maori, Kamara. Mara, sorry. Already had a lot of alcohol. Yeah, we're a little drunk on this one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's been a long day already. Um, yeah, so stereotypical. Maori twins. It's delightful, though. I, I feel... Okay, so I'm... Disclaimer on this. This is one of those movies I do really like. Like, I remember watching as a kid. But we didn't have cable or dish growing up when I was really young so I would only catch this movie if it was being shown on ABC Family and I'd be like I was changing channels and would find it and I was like oh my god twitches and that was the thrill and I'd get to watch it which was like maybe once a year around Halloween and that was like maybe once a year so I'm not as attached to this movie as probably people who got to see it like planned or owned it and I think that makes me a little more jaded toward this film I still had a really fun time but I definitely caught myself being like what is this movie first of all I don't like your descriptor term um (laughs) and secondly (laughs) it was interesting watching this I mean, actually, so when Disney Plus first came out, this was one of the first movies I went and rewatched because I hadn't seen it in years. And I was one of those bougie families, I guess, that had apparently all the hookups because I definitely, like, saw it when it came out and got to see it not necessarily just around Halloween. Um... It's definitely not as good as I remember as a child, but overall, like, I really like a lot of details, but there's not a whole lot of meat in this movie. Yeah, I, I actually, I woke up this morning and I was still pretty tired, but I was trying to, like, get my brain active to, like, get up and start the day. So I was thinking about how we were recording this tonight and, like, planning some stuff, and I was thinking... I realized this entire movie, if we give it, like, the most benefit of the doubt, takes place in, I believe, about 19 hours of of these twins' lives. And that's, like, we start at 6 a.m. and we were ending at, like, 11 p.m. And that's the yeah. most bad of the doubt. And there's no way we're starting at 6 a.m. There's no way we're ending at 11 p.m. But, like... Meh. 
Not at 6 a.m., but honestly, like, 11 p.m., something like that. Okay, maybe we're ending at, like, 11 p.m., but there's no way we're starting at 6 a.m. It's probably, like, 8 a.m. I was, like, because I was watching it last night, and I was, like, wow, we're just keeping moving along. Like, I think halfway through the movie, at, like, the one-hour mark, they're getting lunch, and I was, like, we're just now getting lunch? (laughs) What? Yes. Like, I feel like days have passed. Like, what is happening? I think that's why I was like, this movie is a little strange. Like, there was just little things. Like, I was just like, wow, this movie's kind of weird. Whatever. I do, um, I will, like I said, I remembered parts of this. Like, things, like, kind of would ring true. Where I was like, oh, I think this is, like, this moment. And I was like, yeah, nailed it. Yeah, it was a little weird. I still enjoyed it, but I was like, wow, what is what did I get myself into? Because I suggested we watch this. And I'd say just off the bat, um, I thought there was more magic in this movie than there actually is. So sorry, listeners, for that. Like, I was like, duh, it's Twitches. There's so much magic. And there's like not as much as I remember. Uh, there's some good little bits. I like There's it. some good ones. Uh, but real quickly, sorry, I just Googled because I, I don't know why I didn't do it earlier. Uh, the Bowery's were 27 years old when they filmed Twitches. I knew they were older, but at the same time, like, I didn't realize they were that age. They look so young. I thought they were, like, 22. I was like, after you, like, 22, 23? Like, ow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That puts it. We've heard of probably put that at the end because this slants the whole friggin' movie now. That really. I, I. You want to start us off, Jade? I do. I really do. I like the opening. <laughs> uh, great. Good old Disney movie opening. It's classic Disney. I'm not gonna it's, lie. Oh, like, you know. Um, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, uh, Quintets, Halloween Town, Twitches. They're all in like the same realm of delightful cheesiness. It opens on a ginormous fucking castle. Like on a cliff, a jagged cliff with multiple peaks that this castle spans. Like what the F? Who does this? Uh, <laughs> literal first thoughts. I'm a 27 I, year old watching it recently. I did low key expect a like CGI dragon to just like fly over it just for like effect. I was like, wait, where's my dragon? <laughs> and so we were, you know, 2005 again. We're at that stage where CGI is really cool. They can do some cool things. It's cheesy. Which there are a few of those in this movie, but. A few? A few? It's not that bad. You're so sweet to the CGI. Whatever. I do give it a break for Sarah. We'll say that. Okay. Ginormous Castle. Darkness. Literal, like it's gloomy. And then literal black and red clouds. Darkness starts spreading over everything. Um, The narrator. You know, Coventry, covered in darkness, only twin witches, 
that were born on Halloween can break. Can they survive long enough, though? Prophecies? Crazy. Well, as, you know, prophecies being laid out, we see twin babies laid down on, like, a sun combined with the moon. Art on the floor. Darkness tries to go over him, and then it backs away. And then they're scooped up by a dude and a lady in orange. So, right now, I'm going to tell you, the lady's name is Ileana. The dude's name is Karsh. For the entire movie, they were orange duo in my notes. Because I never heard a name until, like, (laughs) an hour and 15 minutes in. This movie is an hour and 27 minutes long. I'm sorry, I'm laughing so hard because I have the same problem and I called them Team Coventry throughout my notes. I was like, Team Coventry enters and they started saying each other's names and I was like, nope, Team Coventry. There's, I think it was like, like 45 minutes in, 50 minutes in. The dude says her name very briefly and I thought it was like, willow for a second and then like but then i was like ah, i didn't really hear that right i'm just gonna not write it down iliana karsh karsh i actually was very confused by karsh's name because i think she says it earlier in this movie but she says it in like a panicked music overtone note thing so i thought she was just like exclaiming and then later she says it again. And I was like, oh, wait, I think that's his name. <laughs> and then I had to look it up. But yes, I'm glad to see in your notes you have Orange Duo. Because in my notes, they are Team Coventry. And they will be a superhero team for life. Well, yes. Uh, anywho, Orange Duo. Snag the babies. Take them through separate portals. Running away from the darkness as fast as they can go through these portals, end up in another dimension. Both girls are taken to different hospitals. And then we flash to 21 years later. There's a girl. Can I also just note, uh, the credit sequence in this is really good. I didn't even pay attention to that. It's okay. It's literally just like credits. And it's kind of like that spooky music from like the opening Coventry, like um, that was my great music interpretation. Thank you. Uh, but it's all this like oil and pastel artwork, like depicting different scenes of the Coventry dimension. They're like pinned to a wall. So we like kind of artistically like follow this collage of artwork as the credits roll. And I was like, oh, this is actually, like, really pretty. Like, this is very majestic for an opening credit scene. And we gave um, Motherland Fort Salem, like, a lot of credit for their awesome credit sequence. So I just wanted to do a quick call out to Twitches, too. You guys nailed this. Great credit sequence. I was intrigued. You had me. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't even know this. As I said, 21 years later, girl with very obvious sun necklace, you know, from Coventry, like they just showed, surrounded by the beautiful artwork, 
probably of Coventry. Her name's Cameron. Her parents are trying to surprise her with a birthday cake, and they can't. She is just third eye open. She drew a girl that kind of looks exactly like her, except she definitely has a, a moon pendant. And, and Cameron can tell, you know, it just, it doesn't feel like it's me. Wonderful. Uh, there's also, I, I felt like that was honestly the only, like, important bits from this scene. Except that I did like the line, sun's up, she's up. <laughs> when talking about Cameron, because honestly, that's my life at the moment. I mean, hey, props for you. That is not mine. Um, I would say the only thing I really noted about the scene that I also really liked is her parents seem really fun. I yeah. really like her parents. And I think this comes from a place of my own parents where, I mean, like, obviously I don't live at home anymore. So like they don't celebrate 20th birthdays with me anymore. But I do remember, like, this is a very fond, stuck-with-me memory as a kid. Like, one year for my birthday, my parents hid little Scooby-Doo Hot Wheels, like, around my day. Like, that was a thing. So, like, I woke up, and I, on my, like, nightstand was a little Scooby-Doo Hot Wheel. And then there was, like, one in my lunchbox at school. And there was, like, one by my hairbrush. And I was like, this seems like something this family probably also does. So I immediately felt a connection to her parents. Where I was like, ooh, fun, like, birthday parents. This is, this is going to be great. I love them. Yes. It's also I'm like, a huge fan of birthdays. So, like, like this. Yeah, I like yeah. I was a fan. I mean, I guess also, like, call out to mom and dad. You you guys nailed it that birthday. Um, if you want to do that again one year, I would be equally as thrilled because I still love Scooby-Doo. But, Fun yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sun's up, she's up. Um, cut over, you know, we... They're so smooth. Uh, zoom in on the picture she drew... Girl's laying down, sleeping with her moon pendants, and then like it colors in and we pan out, and it's the real girl. Oh my gosh, she wakes up. Gasp. Her name is Alex. Um her friend's younger sister wakes her up in Halloween costume. Made her breakfast of like a bunch of random stuff I didn't all write down. But, like, I did, I cereal. did. Oh, the I did. Okay, do it. Yeah. Do it. Um, her little sister, her friend's little sister, who looks like she's about like seven, like she's she's a cute little thing. I think a little younger, but yeah. Um, she made Alex a birthday breakfast all by herself, and it consists of cereal, which is original Cheerios, <laughs> strawberry yogurt, and candy corn. And I'm not gonna lie, that doesn't sound horrible. I was on the fence. I was on the fence. I feel like because candy and I do corn, like candy corn and candy it. corn doesn't really have a flavor you know it's just kind of like sugar like a mild sugar texture. yeah so I feel like already yogurt and cereal very common that's like it's we're this close to a parfait and then just like adding something slightly sweeter it's just like yeah she replaced the blueberries with candy corn I was like I kind of want to try this and I think maybe I've, I've working myself into a corner for our listeners. Maybe this Halloween for the, our listeners, I will try this meal. 
because I don't have strawberry yogurt in the house. I do actually have the cereal. I don't have the candy corn though either. But I will try this and weigh it if it's good because I'm very curious. It actually sounded slightly good. All right. Mark that down for October. I get to try it with you because we'll be with each other for Halloween. Oh my God. Yeah. Actually, that's something we should do for a bonus episode. That'd be really fun in Virginia. We could even get Jen in on it. Just do like a little episode where we try this and like just have a chat. That, that'd be really fun. I, I think that'd be really great. That would be fun. Yeah. Let's do it. You heard it here. So- we're, we're in this. <laughs> So I wasn't paying very much attention to the scene because it just, it didn't grab my attention. Um, but what happens? Her best friend is Lucy Lucinda. Lucinda, uh, yeah. I had to look that up online because I felt like we never said it and I w- refused to make another alias for a character. <laughs> I think they, well, they call her Lucy at first, but it's quick. And then... I wasn't sure if I really heard Lucy and they say Lucinda a few times later. Anywho. So we kind of get hints that Alex's mom has recently passed away. She's having a rough time. Uh, she's couch surfing at their house, basically. And this beautiful family is here for her. Uh, so I should have clarified originally. 21 years later, so it's Halloween day. It's their birthday. Uh, it was a little bit more obvious with Cameron bringing up the cake. Alex, not quite so much. Um, Alex is focused more on she's going to get a job. That's how this conversation ends. But um, she was passed out. It's like they make it sound like it's like 10, 11 a.m. Because like Lucy gives her crap for sleeping in so late. But I don't know, honestly. Um, but also, Lucy's about to leave for work for, where she will work a lunch shift. As I said, this movie is very weird about time. So it, again, seems like it's like 8 a.m. and we're giving her shit for being asleep. And I was like, don't look at me ever. Yeah, must be nice. Yeah, I slept until like 10 this morning. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't go to bed. Okay, I am like Alex in this because we called Alex out about this too, where she says like she stayed up past midnight writing in her journal. Yeah. Um, And it's like, she's a night owl. That's just all we're implying. Alex, uh, her mom owl. used to say she's a werewolf. Uh, Moon's out, she's out. Yes. Moon's Which out, I thought out. was cute. Um, yeah. But I am also kind of one of those people who stays up till like, 2 a.m. on the regular because I hate myself no there's actually a lot of reasons for it but I usually if I'm in bed by midnight I'm proud of myself I was like oh my god look at me going to bed so early so I also then wake up much later and start work much later but work well into the evening and then the whole cycle repeats itself yeah yep so between people getting up for work and now my stupid cats are on a schedule i wake up about 5 a.m if not 4 30 every single day 
We're so I passed have- the fuck out by 10. We're gonna have a rough go of it on Halloween together. <laughs> yeah, so there's not too much to really say about Alex. Um, we know it's also her birthday. She's gonna go try to find a job. That's that's about the gist of it. She says, I do remember this. She does say that the strawberry yogurt cereal and candy corn is delicious. So Alex, you better not be lying to us because it's gonna be rough for us later otherwise. But we cut back to Cameron, who is playing tennis with her dad. And this is when the realization hit this witch of, oh, she's really rich. I didn't get that in the opening scene. But now we see she's at like a mansion and this is their tennis court. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's what's going on here. But she's playing tennis with her dad. It seems like she's beating him. Um, Her mom's just kind of sitting on the sidelines. uh, You know, nice umbrella, has a drink. Her mom's living her best life. I want to be this mother, if I'm honest. But her mom is planning her birthday party tonight, which will be a Halloween ball with an expected 100 guests. Fully catered and everything. Yes, yes, they are uh, quite, quite rich. And Cameron seems kind of excited for the party, but not like over the top. And she says to her mom that now that she's 21, she just feels like something special is supposed to happen. (laughs) I don't know what to say to Cameron on this. Like, cool, Cameron, sweet. Uh, Way to lay out the plot for us. Right. Oh no, I, I like that her mom's like, what, you don't like your awesome life? And he's like, no, I do. Like, I'm privileged. I recognize that. But Cameron's I feel a, something else. Cameron's a very confusing character throughout this movie. I really like her. I just can't get a read on her. But I feel like it's just perfect. We're gonna get to this in the deep dive. Spoilers, because I do this all the time. Um <sighs> Sun of the Moon, very well used in like in myth and magic, and there's certain attributes assigned to each. Lo and behold, each of these two characters kind of have all those stereotypical attributes. Crazy. So we'll get to that more later, but it does crack me up that Cameron is totally that fiery bouncy person that vibe um this is also when we kind of note as the observer that Cameron can slightly see into the future so they're like playing tennis and then she just drops her racket and is like I'll get it and then the phone rings like one second yeah yeah she's like two beats ahead on this timeline kind of And then her dad's just delightful and says that he's beating Cameron. He's absolutely not and tries to leap over the net to prove a point and just eats it. So it also cracks me up just how they throw in a lot of comedic relief in this movie and it's not necessary. I mean, I guess it is as a... It's not quite necessary the way they do it. 
it is as a children's movie because they get like some scarier bits, but it's not like it's aimed at preteens. I'm pretty sure not necessarily like children. Children. Um, and I felt like they're doing comedic relief for children. Children. And then it's the father and orange duo. Just like there is almost no fucking need for Orange Duo in this movie, and they show up a lot. And they're always the really dumb, funny. They're but... not dumb. I love Team Coventry. I will. I, I will do too. I laughed I a lot. They're great, but they're actually not needed in 98% of the movie. I will make my case for Team Coventry later because I think they're secretly some of the best people in this film when they actually come back up again i apologize yes um i do think like a lot of these things that are happening with uh her dad are very much targeted i think to like the preteen where it's like oh her dad's so dorky like is your dad kind of a dork too like you know it's targeted to that and I, I really enjoyed her parents i was like as i said earlier they kind of reminded me slightly of my own where i was like yeah they're definitely comic relief but they're really having a good time here. That's all I can ask from them. Like, it doesn't seem forced comedy. They're just, like, here to have a good time. But we uh, we cut away from this because Cameron is about to go shopping with her friend. And cut to Alex and Lucinda, who are getting on a bus so Lucinda can go to work. She works at a restaurant. She's a waitress. Uh, she tells Alex that she can get her a job there too, or at least like an interview if she wants. Alex says, absolutely not. We already share a bathroom. I don't think we should be sharing a work employment place. Smart. Smart, Alex. Very smart. Um, and then Alex is just really negative. Like, I don't know what else to say about Alex besides, wow, like she's just such a downer right now. She's just like, yeah, you know. I don't, I don't think I can get a job. I may try, but like, it's not going to work. I can tell. And I'm like, Alex, geez, Louise, it's 8 a.m. Like, I do not have time for this. <laughs> like, um, And Lucinda kind of calls her out for being a downer on the bus. And Alex is like, I just know something absolutely horrible is going to happen today. Like, God, Alex. Yes. Alex is got to like have a moment here also Alex can also do that little uh future trick that Cameron can do where they're saying on the bus nothing's really happening Alex says tell your mom I say hi Lucinda's phone like starts to ring like it's the same like two beats it's we just repeat ourselves uh then as they're her friend Lucinda's on the phone with her mom we kind of zoom back to Alex, who's sitting in the seat behind her is Karsh, uh, the bail member of Team Coventry, or the Orange Duo. They have three names now in this podcast. Keep up, people. And he is like, stares at Alex, very intense, is like, I knew it. And I was like, okay, you have no chill, man. This, this guy's got no chill. <laughs> right? Yes. Because uh, Lucinda is like, wow, you've got like the gift of premonition or just something like that as she's answering the phone. And he's like, you've definitely got power. <laughs> and I just like that Alex is like, the fuck, dude? 
there's always that weird guy on the bus and unfortunately <laughs> Karsh is now that weird guy on the bus yeah oh god it's it's pretty funny but uh then we cut away from this bus ride to Cameron who's out with her friend who I don't think has a name I did not go looking for it I don't care this friend has the most annoying voice humanly possible that's all we need to know about this friend but um we have the scene where they're walking down the street again Cameron's talking about her birthday how she feels like something big's supposed to happen today and then we see Alex on the street, but Cameron looks right past her to a store, which is having a giant sale. And this is apparently one of her favorite stores. So her and her friend beeline for this store. Cameron's super excited, really wants to go in, go shopping. Her friend's being pretty quiet. She looks at her friend, says, oh, it's okay. You can go get shoes. I'll just stay here and shop for a little bit. We can meet back up. Uh, yeah, her friend didn't say anything. So it's also kind of like Cameron can maybe read minds a little. I don't know. I don't know if this is another prediction beat or what. But um, yeah, that's how that goes down. So a really annoying friend girl decides to leave to go look at shoes. I don't care what she's up to. She's super annoying. And this is when our other half of Team Coventry, uh, the orange duo female, shows up. And again has no chill because she just like pops in front of Cameron and is like it's you oh my goodness like this most bubbly like moment from a stranger (laughs) team Coventry needs to really take a beat is kind of the moral of this story and uh this member team Coventry is again like I knew it was you this day is so exciting your gifts and uh, to which Cameron's just like, okay, and goes in the store like a sane human being, because um, that's that's how that should go down. Let's move on. <laughs> Most of my notes are just like, team commentary, no chill. <laughs> yes. Uh, cuts over to, I feel like we need now to just combine our nicknames somehow, but Orange duo. Yep. Um, Ileana and Karsh together on like a firewalk, fire escape, whatever, something metallic stairwell overlooking the scene. He gives her some shit for hugging Cameron. She couldn't hold it back. And it's like, you know, she's tried so hard not to interfere. It's not actually interference. It's fine. And then he also, it's all the stuff they're doing. It's not interference. It's destiny to draw them together or something like that. And then as Alex is walking by the same store that Karen just went in, he magically makes three signs appear on the window. A health wanted sign. Well, no experience needed. And we're desperate. So she can get the picture and go inside because they could happen to meet. And it just, it's so, it is so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. Cause it's just like, Alex keeps walking past each side. It's like, help on it. she's like, nope, no experience needed. Nope. We're desperate. <laughs> like, All right, fine. I'll go in. But he literally just said, it's not interference. And then, 
He's definitely fucking interfering. This is what I mean, though, by, like, Team Coventry, Orange Duo, secretly the best characters. Because I also think, as a preteen slash child, this joke would not have landed with me. Like, the help wanted, sure. I would have been like, oh, he's trying to get her to go inside. The no experience necessary, I would have had no idea what that means. The word desperate, I would have been like, what? And then, like, you know, the movie would have continued. I was like, this joke was not meant for nine-year-old me. This joke was made for 27-year-old me. I'm concerned. Nikki, you you didn't know what the word desperate would mean? No, I, I know what desperate meant, but I wouldn't know, like, why. I didn't know how jobs worked at age nine. Yeah, I get that that was the start of that. But then I got a little muddled on your intelligence to be honest i i would have gotten it where it's like <laughs> we're desperate so it would have been like oh come inside but like i wouldn't have understand what that would have like had to do like with hiring yeah I got yeah it, with I hiring know. like it, it just Agreed. it wouldn't have like it was one of those things i probably would have chuckled at because my mom was chuckling at and i didn't want to be left out of the joke even though i was totally left out of the joke um so i was just saying that's why they're like secretly some of the best characters in this scene Yes. So Alex goes in up to the counter where a sales lady, oh, here's that dress in size two that you were asking for. Sorry, it took me a moment. Uh, Major turns around. Hey, I need a job. Yeah, I can tell. That's a $600 dress. Oh, snap. And then Cameron walks by, snags the dress from her. Oh, thanks. Like, of course. We have so many moments of them being so close and not noticing each other. This is yep. literally the closest. It's frustrating. It's, it's hilarious. It's filmed really well to show that they are like right there, but they just refuse to like look at each other at any moment. So it's just like they're like interacting past one another. Yes, yes. Um, so Alex still, manager, lady, honestly, I think she just, she doesn't seem like a manager. She work at the counter, whatever. Um, no, you, you're obviously just not into fashion. You're not going to fit this job. No. Alex starts to walk away. Oh my gosh, I love those shoes. And then deadpans back to her regular face and the manager's like oh damn it you can't actually fake it <laughs> all right fine apparently we're desperate so <laughs> start by cleaning out the fitting room where we just saw cameron go back into with that dress could this be it is finally (laughs) yeah it's so cathartic honestly it really is um alex is picking up uh, just a nasty pile of tried on clothes anyone who's ever worked clothing retail knows that is exactly how that fucking happens i'm completely serious um especially in like juniors young women's sections shit gets crazy um, you worked retail. I worked food industry, so we have like they're both. I mean, honestly, customer service is the worst. Yeah, everybody should work fair. it for at least a year because I think we'd have less Karens. So 
That's funny though, that you say like junior young woman is the worst. Cause I'm always like, oh yeah. When the sororities came in, fuck my life. Like <laughs> dude, old white men. And then yeah. Juniors and adults, young, young women. I don't know what it is about those two groups. Well, and obviously Karen's, but they're their own subset. They, they <laughs> span a lot. Um, yeah, old white dudes have no fucking shame. No, and... why should they? The world was made for them. Yeah. They've never once had a challenge they couldn't get out of by being a white male, especially an older white male. Yeah, especially once they get older, they're like, oh, sorry, I'm old. I didn't mean to grope you. Excuse me, dude. You don't have policy that bad. <laughs> Anywho. Moving on. Moral of the story, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, they literally run into each other. Cameron, Alex, clothing. Drops the clothing. Scream when they see each other because that's the only natural reaction. I mean, right? Cameron's super happy, very bubbly, very excited. Alex is super freaked out. Cameron uh, also has no chill. <laughs> true, different sort of no chill. Um, going on about oh, we're we're definitely long lost twins. Like that's Cameron's first thought, which is true. But Alex is like, no, that's just too much of a coincidence. That doesn't happen. Cameron goes on to convince her, but I know it's your birthday today. Which, of course, freaks out Alex even more because it's true. Yeah, she's she's really on this tirade where she's like, maybe we're sisters. Maybe we're twins. <gasps> I was adopted. Were you adopted? Of course you were adopted. It tastes my birthday. It has to be your birthday, too. And I was like, Cameron. Cameron, please take a breath. I worry. <laughs> she also has no chill. She learned that from Team Coventry. <laughs> but Alex freaking out for obvious reasons. This woman has no chill. Runs out of the store. Is like, nope, mm -mm, not handling this. Cameron runs after her, grabs her hand to try to stop her on the streets. And as they do, time slows as their hands begin to glow with magic. Crazy. They say stop as they're holding hands and time doesn't stop, but it slows down. Not really. Oh. <laughs> uh, once they also break hand contact, because they're like, what the fuck? Um, all the mannequins like have their clothing like ripped off in the store window and like falls to the ground. Which was strange, but what's even stranger is all the mannequins are wearing undergarments. Well, um, yes, retail, tell me, did you also give all your mannequins bras and panties before you covered them completely with four other layers of clothing? No, but some did get bras because they're they were selling the pieces. bras. <laughs> No, well, yes, there were obviously, like, in the lingerie section, there were mannequins with underwear and bras. But I mean, like, we put a bra on a mannequin and then put a dress on it so you could, so we could tell you about the bra, kind of, but so you could see, honestly, like, because there were occasionally some pieces that had, like, it needed extra cup, okay? 
Okay. Put it that way. Definition. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, no, not quite like that. Um, I just specifically selling the underwear and bra. I just thought it was really weird. I was like, why should they fully dress the underclothes of these mannequins? Because it's Disney. So it happens. The clothes come off because they yank their hands way down very forcefully. So the magic rips off the clothing. But it's Disney, so they can't have naked mannequins. God forbid. Naked plastic people. Oh, no. With no parts. Yes, the female form, even in plastic, non-anatomically correct form, is just too aggressive to the eye. What would the boys think? What would the old white males do? Honestly, though, the like NCAA or whatever that does the ratings, super yeah, they're, they're a whole other mess of like we could do a whole podcast about like how fucked they are. But uh, that all happens, and they just kind of stare at everything that's now happening on the streets due to their hand clasps. And then we cut away from them on the streets to Coventry, where the twins' mother. Uh, who has an amulet of her own. This one is the combined sun and moon design where it's like kind of overlapping. Flashes. And she grasps it dramatically and (gasps) runs down the corridors yelling for Santos. Because once she gets there, she says, they're alive. This woman has has some dramatics. I was here for it, but man, what a dramatic woman. (laughs) Uh, this their mother named Miranda. Um, she Thantos seems to be her boyfriend. Later, I find out they're married, but I did not catch that till like that scene. Yeah. In, in the same way, I was like, I don't know these people's name. I'm gonna call them Team Coventry. There's a scene later where I was like, Wait, are they involved? And then there's like, they outright state they're married. I was like, Oh shit. But she tells Santos that the twins are alive. She felt it. Her necklace flashed. And we have to find them. And Santos, who is a man, a man, he's a nondescript man. I don't know how else to describe this. Too. White male, gray hair, that type of man. <laughs> he does wear a nice ascot. I'll give him that. True. True. Um, he's a very real quickly. Go on. As an older person who has analyzed little details of shoes, like right off the bat, I'm like, everyone's been wearing bright colors, and he's wearing fucking black. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, Disney. Oh yeah, he's He's wearing uh, black and red. You, it's. Black on black, red ascot, black gloves, black shoes. He's honestly just a little bit of a dick. He's sinister. Like, there's nothing outright, but it's just you get a sinister vibe. Oh, it's so outright. Don't even. Like, he's in a dark room next to some dark other figures. But nothing like he doesn't do anything specific. He doesn't say anything specific. Fair. Just that sort of vibe in also, the background. I will say, I think I was inherently against this man, as I know this actor. He is fairly prolific. 
and uh, he plays a lot of villains. <laughs> uh, so, you know, since we're breaking it down, uh, the name, as I was actually, before we were recording this, I was talking to Nikki about it. How we were trying not to call him Thanos? Yes. Sorry yeah, if we so, slip up. Like, it's a common thing. Thanos. And then I was like, what is the root of this? Is it, I think they're trying to get at, even with Thanos, um, Thanatos is a Greek god of death. But, like, Titan-level Greek god, not the regular pantheon of Greek gods. I was about to ask, wasn't he a Titan? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure, like, son of Nick. And Nyx is one of, like, one of the originals. Because, like, Gaia and I can't remember who the fucking father is. But Gaia's Earth, mother of all. Yeah. They were the original two. And then Gaia had, like, five children. And Nyx was one of them. If I recall correctly. And then Nyx would say... be confusing if I recall in mythology. I think she's one of those that no one really knows. Kind of. Yeah. But also, that's kind of her thing. As yeah, exactly. It, it works well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Thanatos is... So, death, uh, darkness, overall creepy, theme throughout for this name. Just add on. Yeah, I think also what doesn't help is in the scene, like you said, he's wearing black on black on black with some red. Uh, dark, lighted, dark-figured pillared and like looking not gonna lie I mean from my standard real great goth guy right here I'm like yeah it's a great goth outfit you're killing it but we have Miranda who is wearing royal blue a sparkling tiara a now light bursting amulet and glitter she literally has glitter on her face like the dynamic is not subtle But obviously, if we're not giving away this movie in this one scene, as the movie did for us, Miranda runs in, says that the twins are alive. She must find them. Thantos says that she can't leave the castle because of the darkness. And so they will make their best efforts, though, because they must find the twins before the darkness does. We cut away from Coventry and its very obvious plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we cut over to girl so freaking out. Alex just wants to leave. Cameron won't let her. They meet up briefly with Cameron's friend. And Cameron's just like, I'm taking my new twin. Bye. Oh, also before this. Sorry, this I just found funny. Uh, uh-huh. Alex gets fired. Oh, yeah. Oh, because Cameron, Cameron walks out wearing a dress. Cameron's walked out in the dress, so is accused of stealing and has to pay $600 for the dress. Which, of course, she happens to have in cash on hand. I thought it was funny. I don't know why I was like, I have to bring this up. But I love that Alex gets hired. Ten minutes later, gets fired. And Cameron has to pay $600 and is accused thief. Mm-hmm. One thing that also cracked me up is we already know how much the dress costs, but we see the manager lady counting like fives in a couple of twenties, and I'm like, hmm, nah. 
but that's a whole other thing that's not relevant so the props uh, on this movie are real um sketch as far as they don't matter matching focus matching anything matching narrative the props do not let's just throw it out there true true okay girls going home going to camp place friend does not care that she's just been booted even though cameron drove her to this spot super annoying friend i don't care Oh, I'm pretty sure that actress is just like she specializes in super annoying friends. I meant to look up her filmography, but I believe it. She has the look. I, yeah, I feel like I've seen her in like lots of stuff with that exact same role. Well, I did actually look up um, Team Coventry because they looked really familiar to me as well. And the guy Karsh, I, I swear he's just been in other things and bit parts I know him from. But the girl, Adriana, is one of the main characters on Schitt's Creek. Oh. Yeah, which I watched three seasons of and then realized I didn't like the show and I was very bored. So stopped. Never seen it. Um, it's, don't watch it. It's fine. Um, but I was like, why does Ileana look so damn familiar? So I actually had like paused the movie by this point to look her up. And yeah, she's now a very well-known comedic actress so go her she made it sweet twitches so they get into cameron's car alex you know they get into it lots of talking doesn't really matter alex knows she's adopted but she only ever had her mom and her mom died three months ago very emotional very sad cameron grabs alex's hand and the car goes haywire and they just let it run for like 30 seconds funny in that way um i and the thing that really gets me so it's a porsche convertible so you know lights are flashing the alarm's going off um the wipers are going the wiper, like the windshield wiper fluid is spraying, like not like outwards like it normally does. It's two streams and they're kind of going over the window, which doesn't ever happen. <laughs> but all right. Um, I don't know why I focus so hard on that detail. Props don't match but, up with the story. Um, yes. Yet again. Uh, so they get that under control though they start driving around they're just like aimlessly driving it looks like they're actually still going to Cameron's house but um, Cameron's talking the whole time we get tiny little you know cuts and bits as she's talking over as they're driving says nothing about you uh, trying to convince Alex that it's all fine and they're totally twins and they have magic. Um, I think that's weirdly a great critique for this movie that like 50% of the lines have nothing of value. <laughs> right. Like I said at the beginning, like it's got good bits, but there's there's not a lot of meat in this movie. That's how I feel. Yeah, I agree. And even like trying to think as like a 
preteen. I just, I still like it. I'm not entirely sure why I do. It's just fun. I think actually I like the like the Coventry bits, but I, I think I like the magic bits actually. Now that I think about it, which is early indication because I watched this totally way before I ever actually got into magic. But same here. I think it lends very well into that genre, which I think a lot of like probably witches of now our age and up um, understand, which is like, you know, it was a novel genre too. I'm not going to pretend I didn't read these, which is basically just like, I'm a regular girl. Now I find out I have magic and I'm just going to think about that for 80 pages. (laughs) And then maybe there's a conflict, who knows? But the most important thing is I have magic. And it's like, what? And that's like just the entire genre. Like I read a lot of books like that. I'm not gonna lie. If you say so. I didn't read like any of them. I sure as hell did. All right. Yeah, so they've been driving around. Cameron's been talking the whole time. Alex not convinced. Anywho, Cameron makes Alex hold her hand again. And they trade clothes, sort of. So Alex is in Cameron's brand new $600 dress. Cameron's wearing the clothes she was wearing before she bought the dress. Alex's old clothes are just nowhere to be seen. Cameron's super excited because that's exactly what she was thinking to happen. Alex, not so impressed. Makes her hold hands again. Apparently she thinks. So now she is wearing her old clothes again. Cameron's wearing the original clothes. Alex's wearing the original clothes. Who knows where the new dress is? Literally never seen again. They finally arrive at Cameron's quote-unquote house. McMansion. Only the snarky housekeeper is home. This snarky housekeeper shows up like three fucking times. Yeah, she got her, like, Actors Guild card off of this movie. Which is just the weirdest fucking way to do it. But, I mean, kudos to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's there to say, very rudely, your parents aren't home. Fuck off, basically. And then, like, she gets the shit in the stick twice later in the movie. And that is all that she's ever, like, in in the movie you do see though like in the background it's like other help air quotes are like moving stuff around for the party so they're like setting up like flower arrangements and like tables and chairs like there's people in the house yeah yeah they just don't have speaking roles yeah (laughs) background people they mean nothing Uh, to us (laughs) Cameron's parents are not home. And Cameron was totally just about to say, hey, I have a long lost twin. Welcome. Meet her. Alex, not about that plan. But they go over to uh, Cameron's room. She's trying to find her sketches of the past. Um, I honestly don't recall exactly what started this besides yes you want me to take this 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Cameron's trying to find her scrapbooks that have all her sketches in it from when she was younger, but also like her photos and stuff. And she wants Alex to get to know her better. So she thinks the best way is to show her like photos and pictures from her childhood so that she can get a vibe on who Cameron is. That's right. Thank you. Of course. I do also like there's this like weird bit going on that will like go throughout the show where when they pull up to the mansion, um, Alex is like, this is your house. And then they like go in and she's like, this is the living room. And then they like get into Cameron's bedroom. And she's like, this is the, and Cameron just gives her the death stare. And she's like, it's cute. And it's just like, yeah, Alex, you gotta stop. So get in her room. Cameron's like, oh, I wonder if I could open that drawer with my magic. And she does. Across the room, telepathically, just kind of opens the drawer. The scene was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, so they hold hands, and then they tell the drawer to open, and it flies across the room. <laughs> they don't do a spell. Let me just uh, make that very clear. Cameron literally looks at the drawer and goes, drawer, open. And it opens like three inches. And that's apparently all magic is in this world. At the moment. Just telling things to do things and they do it. Very, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. No. Wizard Apprentice? Shit. What is the one where Mickey Mouse is... He's the Wizard's Apprentice or something like that. The animated. Oh, I was thinking... the broomsticks. And, like, they keep multiplying and he just F's it up. I think that's Wizard's Apprentice because I think the Sorcerer's Apprentice is the Nick Cage film. That is. That is. But I thought the original Mickey one was also Sorcerer's Apprentice, but it's been so long I don't really know. I don't remember. It was a fantasy bit. What can I say? So they have that lovely moment, you know, dodging the drawer. And then they actually get back to searching for the stupid scrapbooks. Uh, Can't find them anywhere going through closets hey can you check my other closet to alex you have two closets yeah crazy in this mcmansion (laughs) Uh uh-huh this scene did take me a moment just because i think i've been living alone in my apartment for too long because like i have three closets in this apartment and so when alex is like you have a second closet i was like girl chill and i was like wait a minute this is a bedroom, not a full yeah, apartment. Like, yeah. Just about to say, like, that's different. Yeah, it definitely took me a minute, though, where I was like, why is she being, oh, right, right. And they're both walk-in closets. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Uh, it's a portal to Coventry, though. So Alex walks in, light flashes, Cameron's like, what the heck? Walks in, light flashes, door closes. They're in another world. Don't worry, Orange Duo is there. <laughs> Team Coventry. <laughs> Ileana and Karsh. <laughs> I do love when Alex walks through and then Cameron follows her. Cameron has the scrapbook. She found them. And she's like, hey, I found them. This is in my closet. 
<laughs> yes, yes. So funny. It was a good moment. I was like, all right, Cameron, you don't usually get me with the jokes, but good job. Like, Ileana, Karsh, Pierre, magically, super awesome. Explained it all. They don't do a very good job of explaining. Um, I understand, though. Alex and Cameron are overwhelmed. They don't really listen very well, but at the same time, yeah, it's not very good explaining. Um, they're also trying to do that dance where they tell them things without telling them everything, which never works out. So, you know, that. Um, their dad died the day they were born. Darkness is out to get them. Oh, Alex, yeah, those stuff you used to write about Coventry? Yeah, you were right. Basically, is that vibe. They don't say it all right, but Alex has that light bulb moment. They kind of nod their heads, basically. This is also where we discover that Cameron apparently has the gift of premonition. No, the gift of sight. And Alex has the gift of knowing which just sounds like a gift made for a movie. We don't want to have to question why Alex knows crap. Yeah. And yeah. Karsh and Ileana, the Orange Duo, Team Coventry, were their father's most faithful servants. They were like their number twos. And <laughs> this is probably I just had for up because I really liked it. Ileana explains that when they're born, they whisk them off from this dimension into their dimension because there's infinite dimensions. Well, there's nine, maybe nine and a half. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. I was just like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, I totally missed the nine and a half part. Yeah. That is funny. Cause you know, that's how do you wrap your mind around? First of all, like, even if you're not in their situation, nine dimensions but how, how do you get nine and a half oh no I, but i loved it um and then but the fact that she doesn't stay on that for long either is no especially funny it's literally just a blip and then we're done moving on um darkness out to get them yeah uh they have to save country they're the only way alex doesn't want to help she knows how that story ends she wrote about it. They're marked for death. Which is, you know, lovely. Good way to end that, I guess, as they're running away. Um, this was another good Ileana moment. Because, like, Alex is running away at that point to, like, get back to the closet. Cameron's running after her. So it's just Ileana and Karsh. And Ileana's like, I wonder if we should have told them that they're marked for death. And Karsh is like, why would we tell them that? <laughs> like, it was a good between them moment where I was like, yeah. Yeah. Secretly the best. <laughs> well, it, you know, scoop up the scrapbooks, go back through the door. And then they try to like, you know, quick argument, try to go look back through at the portal. And it's suddenly in the closet again. Oh my god. <laughs> they made it super dramatic and it's really it's just oh okay that's a thing. 
So afterwards, we kind of get a bit more of exposition slash explanation on what's going on here. So Cameron's photos and excuse me, not photos, Cameron's illustrations that she's drawn around the room slash what's in her scrapbooks are all actually scenes and pictures of Coventry. So she's drawn the castle. She's drawn other places of the land. She's drawn Alex. She's drawn their mother named Miranda and the darkness and everything. And while this was all going on, Alex has written about Coventry as a child growing up. She says it was like her escape from everything happening in her life. So Alex wrote that their father was killed trying to protect them because when their mother went into Miranda, went into birth, obviously she couldn't fight alongside their father anymore because she was in labor. So the darkness took that as a moment, pounced. Their father wasn't strong enough to defend the castle on his own. They got pushed back and then he died. But before he died, he put all of his magical powers into the twin sisters, sacrificing his life. And this is also a part where it's like when the darkness came for them as twins, when they were laid out on that marker on the ground, the darkness came for them, but couldn't touch them. And it's like this flashback scene where it's like a light bubble appears as the darkness reaches for them and their emblems glow of the amulets. And it's all, it's a real Harry Potter moment. I'm not going to lie. So as this whole exposition artistic moment is happening, we're also cutting back from the flashbacks from the current event to what's going on downstairs, which is where the darkness has entered Cameron's house and uh, has Line's servant woman has seen it. So the darkness is in Cameron's house. a lot that's going on in this moment I just realized it is but, but. while all this is going on <laughs> because we've had this exposition we've had this moment Alex is arguing how she doesn't want to be a part of this because she knows how the story ends she knows that their dad dies they know she knows what she's up against Cameron is saying they have to do this together and after a brief argument Alex agrees that they're in this together and so they leave the house get in the Porsche to go to lunch and the darkness starts attacking the entire mansion. Damn it. But the twins aren't there. <laughs> so it's just chaos for chaos sake. Well, burnt the flowers, conveniently burns only the arts of Coventry and uh, yeah. The darkness has like one power outside of uh, like killing people and that's like burning flammable objects but not just like any flammable object it has to be highly flammable like a bouquet or a loose sheet of paper anything than else it'll be fine <laughs> it's not his dimension alright <laughs> very confusing magical rules <laughs> so I was like a lot happens but like damn this movie is kind of stupid <laughs> wow rude i'm just calling it as i see some 2005 for children so we come back to coventry 
because this was not enough. Once again, to Miranda, the mother. She is having none of this shit anymore. She wants to leave Coventry to go find the girls because they're her daughters and she wants to find them. And this is also why I realized her and Thantos were a thing. Because <laughs> she's yelling at Thantos about how she wants to find the girls and Thantos is like, honey. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> they're apparently a couple. But Thantos then says that she can't leave because that's exactly what the darkness wants. And they have to think about the fact that maybe the twins or the girls are just a trap to lure Miranda out of Coventry so the darkness can fully take over. This is also when we discover Thantos is in fact Miranda's husband's brother. Which means he is the twins' biological uncle. Which is a little gross. I'm not gonna lie. Like, sure, you know, there's nothing really wrong with this. But, like, it's a little weird that you're widowed and then you marry your spouse's sibling. I mean, that's very monarchy. Yes. it was weird to have it just very randomly in a children Disney movie. Yes. Yeah, it's it's very like actual like the Tudors, you know, like European monarch. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But it's a Disney Channel film. Like what the fuck? So he Thantos kind of talks Miranda out of leaving Coventry to go look for the twins. But when he's hypothesizing that the twins are maybe a trap for everything, he asks about how they escaped Coventry in the first place the night they were born. Miranda says she doesn't know. And Thantos hypothesizes, what about Karsh and Ileana? He was the most devoted to my brother. What if they got them out? To which Miranda does have an epic eye moment i don't know why but it's like thantos is obviously much taller than her like she's a i think average to tall woman but this guy's kind of i think like on a step or something and just kind of taller so they do like the camera where it's like slightly slanted down to her and she like looks up very menacingly and i was like oh this is a good miranda moment like i'm really into this where she says that karsh and Ileana were murdered the same night as her husband. Everyone knows that. So they're beyond suspicion. Says she then kind of leaves because he talks her again out of leaving commentary. So she just marches out of the room as Thantos calls after her and says, don't worry, I will find them for you. But then we stay in the room far too long to once again just tell you what's going on in this film where it's like we're just on him and a portal opens and he's like, I'll find them. And it's such an obvious villain moment. I didn't know what to do with that information. (laughs) I was just like, yep, here's our villain. (laughs) Cool. Right. No subtility. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's so obvious what's going on here. Yeah. But the 
girls. Uh, we cut back to the girls. Sorry. Cut back to the twins. And they're at Alex's apartment now. House. Well, not hers. Lucinda's. And we go back to that bit where Alex, where I'm sorry, Cameron is now like, this is your house. This is your living room. Like, we just do it again. Um, it's still kind of funny. It works. We get a bit more exposition. Alex writes when the moon is out. And Cameron always draws first thing in the morning when the sun rises. Crazy. Um, this is also when Cameron's mom calls her to check in. And Cameron's super excited because she's like, oh my God, they tell mom everything. It's maybe glorious. You're going to love her. She's amazing. She's a cool mom. I adore her. And I do love Alex in this moment because she's like, how are you going to break this on her? Hi, mom. This is your daughter. And I just found my long lost twin sister. And we're supposed to battle the darkness in this magical land with magical powers that we just discovered today from a being that's trying to kill us. Thanks. And to Cameron's credit, she does realize this is probably not the best course of action. And so Alex kind of talks her out of explaining what's happening. Um, but Cameron still does take the call to her mom, where her mom says that the florist took the Halloween theme a little too far. And we can see that her mom's again home in the mansion, looking at all the dead flowers. And Cameron's solution to this is kind of just to tell her mom that she made a great new friend named Alex, and she's going to show up to the party tonight for her birthday. And her mom's like, oh, awesome. The more the barrier. Bring whoever you want. Because her mom's great. And so that's on the table now. And during all this, uh, Team Coventry, the orange duo, is following them again. Which is uh, just in hindsight, like a moment. They're just really trying. So real quickly, as they're following it, this scene particularly... It's just like, this is so unnecessary. This is, they're trying to be comedic relief, and it's just not necessary at all. I cannot believe there's no point. There's really, oh, no point. we're about to get to the most unnecessary part of this film ever. So, basically, just so you know, Team Coventry is following them. Um, so this is also where we do get some exposition, though. Again, some more. This is a very exposition-heavy moment. I don't know why it was all given to me. I feel like I'm the most inaccurate of the hosts here. But here we are, nonetheless. So Alex goes through all her journals and writings and talks about how she knows the escape from Coventry and basically the whole history of it because she wrote it as a child. So... Yeah, so basically Alex is invited to the party and then the team Coventry is like trying to follow them but doing a really weird job of things. So they leave Alex's apartment as quickly as they come. I don't really know why we went there. I guess we built the set. We were going to have another scene there. Get the uh, the stories and then yeah, for some reason. Because why the hell not? Also, no one else is home when Alex is doing this. I have no idea where, like, the seven-year-old is. But she's not there. Um, 
So they pick up the stories, they leave. Ileana like walks through the apartment complex's wall to like get inside. Um, she does have a like low-key funny line about how she went through some 70s wallpaper that will emotionally scar her for life, which I did chuckle at. Um, but this is also when we do, I guess it's per I guess it's pertinent. But it's like Karsh does have his little flip, like rose colored glasses that he keeps like holding up to the sky or around the twins, where he can basically see the invisible darkness coming in before it manifests. So he's kind of our clock for things. So he knows the darkness is coming closer because he keeps flipping his little glasses. True. True. Yeah. But besides that, yeah, like. They make the car go off and then magically turn it off. And then he goes to walk through the wall, but she takes too long. So they leave. It was such a stupid scene. This whole scene was kind of stupid. Like we, we didn't need to go to Alex's apartment. We could literally have just cut to them like in the next scene and being like, Alex could have started with like, thanks for stopping to pick up my notebooks. And that's, that's all we needed was like one line. We didn't need an entire scene devoted to this. Well, in the next scene, honestly, we don't even need the notebooks because Alex just tells it all anyway. They're not looking at the little notebook. <laughs> um, really? Spoilers too. They're about to go to lunch. Also a waste. This whole middle thing made me pause the movie to be like, I have to be almost done with this movie, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. There's some bits of the lunch scene that I liked. I hated. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that. So, uh, Alex's place, they leave. They're just walking around town, like specifically, especially through like this one grassy square. Uh, Alex is telling Cameron about her stories. It's all about these two twins named Apollo and Artemis. And uh, Cameron's like, how did you not see that that's totally us? get to that little tizzy um talks about how the darkness spread in coventry their parents fought as the light they were born her dad gave them every last drop of his powers and the darkness you know swallowed them up but the darkness could not touch the babies and they were able to temporarily push back the darkness day one hour zero <laughs> um good for them very randomly that's not really explained they show cow statues eyes following them as they're walking by that's like legitimate eyes not like statue eyes following the girls as they're walking and telling these stories and like i assume it's supposed to be santos but it's never not that I saw, at least. It's never explained, um, never indicated. There's no point besides just ominous feeling. There's also a weird um, moment in here when, as this is happening, Alex is still talking about our stories, where she's saying, besides like the whole recap of the whole babies with the light and how their ambulance glowed and they light bubble shot back the darkness, whatever. And then she was like, when I got a little older, I used to write about our mother, Miranda. 
And it always seemed like she was still there, but trapped. And I was the only one who could rescue her. I have no idea why this happens. Yes. Well, so they have, you missed it, I guess. Uh, they have uh, the moment where they're, I don't remember exactly what brings it up first. Um, they both write about the same woman. Yes. Same description. They both call her Miranda. Yes. And then Alex goes into, she married our uncle, but I always felt like she was trapped. And I can rescue her. I'm the only one who can rescue yeah. her. Like, where was I? You were shopping. Oh, that sounds right. Okay. It's a really weird narrative moment, because it's like, okay. So let's just say, for argument's sake, we don't know Thantos is our villain. Like, we're just in the dark. This line comes out of fucking nowhere. And more than that, if we put ourselves in the place of Miranda, who we have to, again, for narrative's sake, assume she doesn't know Thantos is the villain, shouldn't feel trapped. It's like, she, as far as Miranda seems concerned, she's in a loving marriage. And then, like, Alex is like, I am the only one alone who could save her. Like, it seems like Alex is talking about their mother is trapped in a tower guarded by a dragon. And Cameron's just, like, really chill with that fact. This line makes absolutely no sense. Like, it seems like it's trying to go somewhere and be really deep. But it's just super confusing. Uh, I think they were getting at, like, trying to implicate Santos a little bit more. Because, like... I don't know. I feel like Alex words it just right. So she she talks about the fact that their mom married their uncle. Yes. And then like there's no signs, but she can always get the feeling that their mom is trapped. So I feel like they're trying to be subtle, but at the same time not quite hitting the mark, I guess. I will come about back to the fact that Santos is the villain. I will come back to this later because I have right. more thoughts on it. But, but yeah. it sounds good. Yeah. Moving on. So we move on to the twins go to Lucinda's restaurant for lunch where they sit at one of Lucinda's tables. Um, Lucinda just kind of like waits on them for, for a little bit. They have this like whole moment where Lucinda seems a little jealous of how close Alex and Cameron have quickly become because Alex is her best friend but then fairly quickly Alex like eases over the situation and says Lucinda is her best friend and they're like sisters and invites Lucinda to also go to the birthday party with her it's like a problem that's immediately introduced and resolved like boom boom. also offered Alex a job at her work again and Alex shuts that down real fast. Yep, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird scene. This whole scene is not necessary, in my opinion. As I said, the lunch scene is just, no one needs it. Really, like, I like Lucinda. She's a fine actress. She's a fine character. This character does not need to be here right now. Like, this, this doesn't need to happen right now. But while they're sitting at the table, Cameron's going through Alex's binders and journals and everything, and finds a bunch of scribblings where Alex said that she wrote a bunch of little spells as a child because the magical world needs magical spells. 
Cameron asks if she ever tried any of them. She says not recently. So they decide to start trying the little spells. They try one on this annoying guy in the restaurant who's like talking really loud on his phone and just being obnoxious and like food blows up in his face. They try one on like a cup at the table and the cup disappears and soda goes everywhere. They're basically just making a mess for everyone in this restaurant and I kind of hated them for it, but that's my own problem. But they're trying out their spells. It's cute. It's a bunch of magical moments that make a mess. I really, really like the spell that they use to make the cup disappear though. This one I'm going to say on air because I don't think it's legit. So I'm not invoking anything. Do it. Um, To make an object disappear, tap it twice and say, oh dear. Love it. Alex is like, that's not going to work. I wrote it when I was seven. And Cameron's like, no, it's going to work. You're fucking magical. This is a real spell. And then it does work. After doing all this, uh, they do a little like dance together and say, go twitches. The whole twitches ideas born oh. twin witches oh my god they both been thinking about that all day wow. they also didn't need that line team coventry is still following them around not doing much just kind of hanging in the background for these scenes um this is the part of the movie where i was like we literally don't need this uh we don't need this we go into a montage <laughs> Where it's just um the girls wandering around town doing magic. It's a bunch of random stuff. And Team Coventry keeps following them. And little comedic actions keep happening that pass back to Team Coventry. And they make little jokes about it. It is so stupid and so unnecessary. Because it's just like reaffirming that they have magic. When we have been talking about for a better part of an hour that they have magic. This montage was so unnecessary. It was just kind of cute. The spells they do. Like, I mean, come on. I, they just I found was... out they have magic. They turn the frowny face jack-o'-lanterns into smiley faces. It was super cute. I mean, they make a paint can stop flying from there. Helpful. Uh... I really thought it was funny how when the dudes were catcalling some female runners, like they're suddenly cross-dressing and then just the very simple, oh, I'm going to make an apple randomly grow from this fruit tree. Hot damn, that last one was crazy, magically speaking, but it's not necessarily needed, but I liked it. Not the part with Team Coventry Orange Duo, per se, because he, like, also gets in a weird cross-dressing, costumey, crossfire bit of the spell, but it was cute. I think this was actually the moment in the movie where I realized in their world, they'd met about four hours ago. I don't know why it dawned on me here, but it did. And I was like, oh, oh my. Well, I mean, yeah, after Karsh is panicking again that the darkness is getting worse, we're back at Alex's place. We're technically Lucinda's place. Lucinda's mom's place? I don't even know. Anywho, that house. 
uh, Karsh tries to walk through that same brick wall that Ileana did earlier, and he can't. Can't even get any way in. Uh, obviously, that means there's too much darkness around. The girls are talking, get some OJ. Darkness starts creeping up the sink. No big deal. This this was arguably actually my favorite team Coventry dynamic line of this film. Purely because I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. It reminds me of a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Because, <laughs> yeah, Karsh makes a note that, like, the darkness has come. It's here. He can't do his magic because it's too much around. Ileana's like, what should we do? And he goes, I'm thinking of a plan. And there's, like, five beats where the camera just stays on them. And Ileana goes, have you thought of one? <laughs> just, no! Like, <laughs> I just, it really reminded me a lot of D&D, where it's like, you introduce a problem, and everyone freaks out for a minute, and then someone's like, let me think! And, like, everyone goes quiet for 30 seconds tops before the person's brave enough to be like, did you figure it out? <laughs> like... I don't know why I loved it. I loved it so much. It also kind of reminded me of something Jade and I would do. I'm kind of like a hardcore planner. I am definitely one of those people who's just like, just let me think and make up a plan and like make everyone go quiet while they just stare at me. And I just wait for someone to be brave enough to call out the fact I haven't thought of one within 20 seconds. Yeah, I I cannot make up plans on the fly like that in D&D, so... Yeah, I was terribly awkward. I'm the planner. So th- this scene just like made me really like them. It was just really a fun moment where I was like, okay, this was good. Like, I feel like they had a lot of like stupid comedy, and then on occasion they had like really good comedic moments. Where I was like, oh, this is this is funny. Like, this is cute. I mean, occasionally, but still not all that necessary. Uh, so anywho, girls are talking about portals to Coventry. Karen's super confident. They can take on the darkness because they are effing awesome. They're going to kick its butt. And then it rushes through the window and they freak out and run away. Because it's, you know, wrecking the place. The darkness, just to clarify. That wasn't clear. Um, Cameron's wrecking the place. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Cameron and Alex run to... Uh, through a bedroom door, I should say. Go upstairs, run through a bedroom door, and suddenly they're in Coventry! Amazing! Orange duo, Team Coventry, Karsh and Ileana, are there. They say, Alex, magic the portal. She was just thinking that she wanted her and Cameron to get away safe. And what happened? They're in Coventry. Amazing! Uh, Cameron's really freaked out though at seeing the darkness understandably but she's no longer that confident in her powers but now because Alex summoned the portal she's the one that's super pumped about her abilities Um, you know Karsh and Ileana basically they open the portal for them to go back home as soon as they get there Cameron runs back home, very dejected in her bedroom, and they have a weird sun setting, moon rising montage 
as like Alex is still pumped and Cameron's dejected and it's 30 seconds of just weird transition. Uh, so before this transition, there is this moment where, again, I feel like Team Coventry is just coming in with like small bits of information that we're like not giving them credit for, where we do find out that Team Coventry's powers are limited in their dimension, which is why they can't always like summon things or help the sisters or really be much help to the darkness in that dimension because they're already weakened. That's just a fun fact. But Cameron runs home, and after this, like, montage transition, she does have this nice moment with her dad, where she says, like, she's sorry, like, she never wants to leave here, she's happy here, she loves him, she loves them all, thank you for never letting anything bad happen to me in my life. It's, it's kind of sweet, mostly because that she runs upstairs to get ready for the party, and her dad's like, I don't know if I've just been played, or that's one of those moments that make parenting all worthwhile, and Someone who has no kids. I just thought this was delightful. I loved it a lot. But Team Coventry is still around. Uh, despite this team transition, we are at the party now. We just kind of assume it started. The Halloween ball bash for the 21st birthday is occurring. And Team Coventry is there. Uh, they're kind of acting as wait staff, which is kind of hilarious. And Cameron has dressed up as a princess for her own little party. Her annoying friend is there once more, who is a cat? Question mark? Like chosen pussycats? That's what I assume. Yeah, she has like a cheetah print jumpsuit. And then it's like really fake bejeweled over the top collar and teddy bear ears. Anywho. And also... This is a hypothesis, mostly because I couldn't figure out why this outfit was giving me weird vibes. Fake boobs? No, I think it's just the fact that she's wearing, like, skin-tight suit versus... But the boobs are conservative. What? Like, in her jumpsuit, it looks like she has, like, padded boobs, like, sewn in. It's a bit, I only thought about this because I was like, why is she moving so strange? And I realized that like her chest didn't move properly when she walked. Okay. That's weird to focus in on. I, I don't know uh, if on it. I, I didn't notice any such thing, but all right. Moving on. Very weird, but I'm I'm throwing it out there. I think there were uh, fake titties sewn into that jumpsuit. Come at me. <laughs> but annoying friend is there, and this is another weird moment where I feel like this movie tried to do too much in the last like 20 minutes, where Cameron's not having a good time at her party. Her annoying friend asks if it's because of the twin sister. Cameron says no. It's because she's realizing that she's been in vapid and shallow her entire life. But we're never going to bring this character plot up again. It's just something we are commenting on now. So we realize Cameron is self-aware, but she doesn't seem that vapid and shallow throughout everything. 
it's just like something she's now bringing up to feel bad about herself and it won't be resolved it's just a note to self that cameron is vapid and shallow for (laughs) notes to self um annoying friend pulls random guy dressed supposedly like zorro it was a horrible costume over to dance with cameron to uh cheer her up i guess this friend is just a bitch I don't like her. Yeah. Very 2D dummy. I don't think she's actually listening to anything Cameron is saying. Because what Cameron is saying sounds like way different than her solution for it. Cameron's like, I'm down because I think I'm vapid and shallow. I think my twin sister realizes I'm vapid and shallow. And that's why she doesn't want to be my friend and be in my life. And I don't know if this party is even worth it because does anyone here even like me because I'm so vapid and shallow? And her friend is like, dance with this guy I found. What? Yeah. Yeah, you got me there. I, oh my God, I, this, this is where the movie kind of lost me where I was like, I don't know what you're trying to get at now, movie, but, uh, We're trying to fit it in, that's for sure. (laughs) Again, they do have a small comedic scene with Karsh that I, again, found delightful, but you probably found not delightful. Where the super annoying friend, after pawning this random dude off on Cameron, goes up to Karsh, who's a waiter who has, like, a tray of tortilla chips and salsa, and, like grabs some, scoops some salsa, takes a bite, and then scoops it again. And Karsh is just so serious in this moment. I loved him. Where he's, why would you do that? You double dipped. You contaminated the entire platter. What kind of person does that? And I was like, I hate this woman. Thank you. Yes. I liked that part. Although, honestly, like, family places... I am a habitual double dipper. I don't really care. I try to be better for not people I'm related to, but you got me. The secret with the large tortilla chip is turn it around. Yeah, exactly. You bite it, then you hold the big, you bite. And then you use the other end. It's the perfect solution. Yeah, exactly. It it was a great moment, though, because as I said, I hate this woman. So Karsh even just gang on her is something as like, I guess supposedly trivial is double dipping you know other people have their own passions about it not here to call them out on it was great and I just like how serious Karsh is on how offended he is by her actions because someone needs to be offended by these women's actions because she sucks <laughs> that's that's about it on her because I hate her so much um we cut to back to Lucinda and Alex's place where they have like a little chocolate round cake that it looks like it's homemade that Alex is just kind of picking at a slice at. And Lucinda wants to know why Alex is now fighting with Cameron when she saw them, you know, four hours ago. They seemed like the best of friends. And Alex says that they just want different things. She doesn't understand. Da, da, da. Alex really goes into, once again, a very negative, like, I am so superior, everyone pity me party, which kind of makes me hate Alex. Like, yeah. 
I I get that Alex is supposed to be our realist to Cameron's like bubbly, bubbly buoyancy. Yeah, yeah, a bubbly optimist. But we give Alex a lot of la- lines that just make her seem like a bitch. Where she's like, my life is so hard and I work so hard on it and no one understands it or will because I'm the only one in this world who tries. And it's like, Alex, back off. Like, back off of this situation. You are literally living on these people's couch because they are kind enough to take you in. Like, I just... I kind of stopped liking Alex here. It was a very strange moment. But Alex puts the nice cherry on the cake where she's like, I think today just proved forever that the only one I can count on in my entire life is only me. Alex, what the fuck? Like, I just, God, these last few scenes just made me weird for the twins. I was like, I don't get where Cameron's at. I don't like Alex right now. Um, this is a huge punch Lucinda, which I applaud her on where she's like, that's kind of a punch in the gut for someone who just like, you know, made you dinner and a cake to celebrate your birthday and is here to celebrate your birthday with you tonight. And Alex is immediately like, you know, that's not what I meant. She's like, yeah, whatever, which fair like I Jade if you pulled that shit on me I'd be pissed I'm not gonna lie I'd be like okay I guess I'll go like what the fuck we get over it we would but I'd like to think you'd never say that to me because it's kind of a bitch move I don't know I don't it, think so too but honestly it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility I don't know you said some you said bitchy stuff to me in the past before but it's never been like I could never count on you shit Oh, wait, yeah. 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 I guess yeah. that probably wouldn't. I mean, we've been friends for a long fucking time. I can definitely count on you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it wouldn't go that far, but. Yeah, and it's like, it's supposed to be like Lucinda and Alex have like supposedly been friends since they were like in kindergarten. So it's, it's, it's a really weird friend dynamic. Again, the friend dynamics in this are really weird. Because I feel like Lucinda is very valid here while the other friend is just a bitchy friend. And, like, Cameron's having a life crisis, but, like, Alex has decided that she's going to be a bitch now. I just, I don't know what to do with the scenes. It was very confusing. Um, All that aside, Alex is now pissed at Lucinda. I guess we're calling her out for being a bitch. I I don't know why Alex is mad, but Alex is now very mad. She marches into a room pissed and tries to summon a portal to to Coventry it doesn't work uh turns out the room she's in is Lucinda's Lucinda kicks her out of her room and says she wants to at least spend time in her own room if they're gonna fight and not go to the party fair Lucinda I'd kick her out of your house damn it um Alex then goes into the bathroom tries to summon the portal again this time it's successful and she's in Coventry again. But this time she's like in the castle. We've always had them summoned to like a random courtyard. This time we're like in the depths of the castle. As she's standing there, um, you know, being her bitch self, Miranda walks by a nearby hall. She like senses Alex, uh, kind of shouts to no one for her to reveal herself. Alex is like hiding behind a pillar, doesn't reveal herself. I did kind of like this. This was cool. Miranda casts a spell on a statue near Alex, which like comes to life and is like 
She's behind the pillar. I see her. Yeah, <laughs> knocked on by a statue. It was what? kind of funny. It was pretty. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, to which Alex is like, turns the statue and is like, "Thanks." Uh, walks out, sees her mom. They have this instant moment where she's like, "Mom," she's like, "Artemis," and they have actually a pretty sweet moment. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm not here to be mean to them about that. And it's it's pretty sweet i guess um this is also when we find out alex is a bit of a crier because she's in tears like this entire scene which you know like props the actress those tears looked great uh miranda apologizes for everything not being there for the girls how she wishes she was and all that good shit and then we just kind of like cut away to lucinda who is back in the house she's knocked on the door where alex disappeared through apologizes through the door for everything lucinda you are not in the wrong here (laughs) you're perfectly justified but lucinda then finally opens the door when she gets no response from alex and thinks alex went to the party without her so gets again kind of pissed justified and we cut away from her back to Miranda and Artemis it's a weird like in between scene but it's there where Miranda and Artemis are now just walking through the castle Miranda asks if Apollo is there as well or if she knows of her Alex Artemis says that Apollo wanted to stay with her family to which Miranda to her right is like I completely understand I would not want to come here either if I had a loving family like good on her but Alex does say that Karsh and Ileana have been looking out for them and that Team Coventry has kind of been the stars here. And this is the moment I loved Team Coventry because I totally thought Miranda was in on this and she isn't. What? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Blew my mind more than anything else. But Miranda is genuinely shocked and says, wait a second they're alive and i was so impressed because miranda seems all knowing in a lot of things and the fact that like karsh and iliana have been able to legitimately hide themselves and their death for 21 years from like every magic user is super impressive I was I was suddenly blown away by them. I was like, all right, I'm giving you props. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I do agree with that part. I mean, especially since they only have nine and a half dimensions to possibly hide out in. Yeah, usually two of them are off limits because the darkness and then they can't run into the girls, so Yep. Apparently one of those dimensions is also the purple dimension. I don't know why that stuck with me, but it also did. But I thought that was really cool because I feel like they are really painted as just being like unnecessary characters, but it seems like they're actually very powerful. And just the fact that they're in the our world is what's diminished them for so long. And I was like, okay, I, I kind of respect them right now. But we also get some exposition from Miranda 
that the darkness is getting stronger and they are all counting on the twins to save the day because they don't know what else to do at this point. And uh, yeah, we cut back out of this nice heart to heart moment to Cameron at her party not super enjoying herself. She kind of blows out the candles on this giant cake. Holy crap. Who's going to eat all that cake? And this is also when we get to Karsh and Eliana who are there. And they're just kind of like waiting for the darkness to attack. Because they can't take Cameron back to Coventry. Because she doesn't want to stay. But they know she's not safe here. So all they can really do is like wait around her, which is why they're like following her around. Which again, I, I kind of like them for. But Karsh says that they know the darkness is going to attack soon because Cameron's at her weakest when the sun is down. So the fact that it's like the middle of the night now is the prime time for the darkness to attack her because she doesn't have her twin. She's not in Coventry and the sun's down. And as we kind of state this fact, like we, as the audience, zoom up and the darkness starts to cover the moon. How ominous. I wonder who it could be. Yeah, so Cameron's disenchanted with it all. Darkness closing in. Uh, Vapid dumb friend tells her mom about Alex. So the mom... Cameron, they talk. Can, can I take a minute to call out the dad here? Because he was <laughs> right now my favorite person. Because the parents realize Cameron's in a, not happy, basically. And so Cameron's like marched off and they followed her and are like, oh my God, I wonder what's happening. And the mother is like, okay, I'll, I'll go like see what I can find out real quick from the super shitty friend. She doesn't say that, but it's implied. And we just stay on her dad, who's like self-hyping himself up for this, where he's like, all right, all right, man, you're a sensitive guy. You know, you, you understand emotions of women. You can, you can connect with her. She's your daughter. You've read every book. You've prepared for this. You've bonded with her in every milestone of life. You are ready for this moment. And then the mom just walks by him and follows Cam by herself. And the dad just stands there for a minute and is like, okay, honey, you got this. It was like, we've all talked ourselves up for something. And just to be immediately crushed by the mother being like, you stay here. I got this alone. And he's like, okay. For the best. Uh, yeah. I think he could have done it. I had faith in him too. The self-hype gave me connection. It probably could have done some, but it's not the same as talking to mom. That's fair. Who's already been painted as the more realistic parent. She seems more the confidant. Yeah. Yeah. Moms usually are. Yeah. Long story short, because honestly, you know, they talk about good stuff, but... Um, this mom gives Karen permission. It's okay to find your birth mom. Uh, that's the thing about love. You know, you can always make more of it. It grows and grows. So, uh, 
I, I do really like that, like, because, you know, Cameron says that's why Alex and her are fighting and can't hang out together because Alex wants to find her birth mom and Cameron doesn't because Cameron's happy here. But I do really like that, like, immediately her mother takes this, like, as an offense to her parenting more than anything. I feel, I feel like lots of times in movies and TV, we see, like, the adoptive parent being very threatened by a birth parent. And immediately, like, well, you're going to love them more than me because genetics. But her mother is immediately offended by Cameron's actions, like, to what she considers herself being a good parent, where she, like, full out full names Cameron, which is a moment when coming from a parent. Like, you do not want that full name dropped. And then says that you better not be arguing with this sister and like threatening your relationships because of me. And if you want to find your birth mom and you want to love her, that's absolutely fine. Any love you give her won't take away from the love we share. And I was like, that's so sweet. Like that was such a great mom moment. Like, I don't know. It really, I think did a great job of kind of subverting that whole adoptive parent trope and I just it it made her mom so sweet like I love her mom I was just like oh my god yes girl can I be your daughter like this is so cute yes very cute love grows and grows uh mom thinks that the conversation is over Cameron has to get it off her chest uh, tells her about Coventry and her magic and her mom just beautifully takes it in stride oh you mean like those nightmares you used to have about the darkness uh, excuse me I used to have nightmares about the darkness what what I like the transition <laughs> mom's so smooth Cameron's just not not getting it um well, and it turns out, yes, Cameron used to wake up screaming about the face coming out of the darkness. And Cameron did sketch this at one point. Cameron doesn't remember. Mom, I have to find this. It's probably still in your scrapbook. Oh, let me go find those again. Again, I like her mom because she justifies. She's like, I found the art disturbing. That all these faces coming out from the dark. Your dad thought that they had a certain deep artistic quality. <laughs> like, these parents are so encouraging. Like, the mother is like, this is terrifying. And the dad's like, no, this is art. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> honestly, it's legit art. It, oh, yeah. Say. When we see it, like the work of a six year old, yeah, it's art for sure. But I just, I just love, like, the duality of it. Because I can imagine, like, my own parents, like, you know, me drawing creepy things and being like, look, mom and dad. And my mom's like, what? My dad's like, art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho. Finds a sketch amongst her things. Turns out this is... It's the uncle, Santos. Santos. Coming out of the darkness. What a huge surprise. 
run. I am blown away. They did <laughs> not write multiple scenes to tell me this was happening beforehand. Okay, but the next scene I think is one of my favorites in the whole movie. Uncle Santos making excuses. He just he can't find the girls. I'm so sorry, Miranda. Oh, let me introduce you to my daughter, Artemis. Alex, as we know her. Uh, oh, hi. Where'd you come from? <laughs> um, I'm obviously lying. <laughs> it's so cheesy. That's why I love this scene. Oh, his uh-huh. bad acting skills are as good as his good acting skills. Like, yeah. So, oh, okay. Well, uh, you guys stay safe. So you stay here. Do what you can, because the darkness has now—it's been invading the whole Coventry again. It's now at the North Gate. I will go now that I know where to look. I will go get Cameron and bring her back. Magical. In my most magical of ways. Uh, yeah. Cuts over to Lucinda has arrived at the party. Tells Cameron she and Alex should talk. Uh, lights start exploding outside. Like the Christmassy type lights that they had as decoration. They explode. The guests think it's part of the whole plan. Yeah, they like uh, cheer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Karen's adoptive parents are like, what the fuck? That's our clue that this is especially not meant to happen. The only sane ones are like, hey, maybe electrical things should not be exploding over our pool. Right. Right. Uh, Orange duo to Coventry, Carson, Ileana. I like that we have to say all of them. (laughs) They have three names, yeah. (laughs) You know, because darkness is still spreading. That's why shit's exploding. They open a portal in the bedroom to get Cameron to Covington. Coventry? Coventry. (laughs) (laughs) A little too British here. We've got this entire episode saying it right. Now it's the moment. Oh, I'm like two and a half lessons. That's very fair. I was just looking at Taco Bell delivery times. So I was like, I can wait. <laughs> so Cameron is still bottom floor of the thick mansion. Gots to go up. Orange duo individually gets sucked into the darkness, trying to, you know, slow it down so she can escape, get up to her bedroom. It's also when we it's find cool. out Team Coventry, Orange Duo are apparently an on again, off again couple, which yeah. kind of surprised me because I thought they were married. <laughs> I didn't think they were married, but I could definitely see on and off again. They they just gave they gave he, off married bickering vibes where I was just oh like, my. okay. <laughs> Someone who's in the presence of a lot of married couples but not married herself. Society. <laughs> um, get sucked into the darkness. Cameron gets cornered by the darkness, though, before she can get to the portal. She's in her bedroom. It breaks through the door. And then her adoptive mom 
whose name I actually never caught. Just no idea. That's why I've been saying adoptive mom this whole fucking time. Yeah, I've just been saying like Cameron's parents, Cameron's mom. That's why when I say Miranda, I usually say her mom. I say her name because I'm like, we have a second mom that I just call mom. This is Miranda mom. Yeah, exactly. Anywho, Cameron's adoptive mom breaks into the bedroom and the darkness disappears. Cameron uses the portal. Yeah, like, I don't... Oh, cool. Mom loves me so much. Cameron asks if mom has magic powers too, and her mom's (laughs) like, I don't think so. Uh, her mom. (laughs) All right, guys, I've got to go. Very serious. So she could use the portal. She walks into her closet, and then she walks right back out. That's the wrong closet. (laughs) I love that they have like great touching moments and then just brief comedic relief. This part was funny. This is where, like really this whole party is what I feel like the, the movie picked back up. Like I said, I was like, this movie was stupid during like the lunch montage and everything. But then we got to the party and I was like, okay, I'm back in it again. Like now I'm enjoying myself. But Santos uh, returns to Miranda and Alex. He kind of looks a little out of breath, like straightens his ascot and his suit jacket. And Miranda and Alex are in what looks like a throne room. And Santos walks down to them, says he's so sorry. He got there too late. It's as they feared. Cameron's been taken over by the darkness this entire time. And he was lucky to escape with his life. But sucks to be Thantos because Cameron beat him there by five minutes. Oh, snap. This is actually one of the scenes where legitimately this week as an adult, I was freaking out about it. I really loved this scene. Like I said, I was back invested in this movie after the party because I was like, this was iconic. Like... So this good. was awesome. Yeah, it's like Cameron just walks in, still full princess costume, hand on hip, and is like, nice try. I think I beat you by a good five minutes. Cameron! <laughs> I love you! Oh, it's perfect. So Miranda then kind of lays everything out in front of Santos, kind of asks him about you know, why he'd lie about that. If he's the darkness, what happened that night? Thanos says that this is all a lie. How could she believe it? And then Miranda reveals once again, the picture of Thanos coming out of the darkness that Cameron drew as a small girl. And if he'd never seen the twins before today, how could Cameron have drawn his face? This was also another prop does not match narrative because we watch Cameron in her bedroom have the picture burned by the darkness back in our realm. And then she crumples the ashes and throws them on the ground before she leaves for commentary. Well, so like when the darkness gets it, it just seems like it gets the edges really bad. Yeah, it's, but she does not take the picture with her. Like she literally, it's an epic moment where oh, she's yeah. like, I'm going to Coventry and she crumples the drawing and throws it on the ground so that it's like her supplying it to Miranda. True. She can't have it. Like it's very shown that she left it. 
Props don't match the narrative in this movie. Good boy. Thank you. So following this, Miranda says she believes her twins and magically restrains Thantos, throwing him into one of the throne chairs and having all the drapery wrap around him, binding him to the throne. This is also where Miranda kind of has a moment with him. Uh, Kind of accuses him of, you know, killing her husband, his own brother. And Thantos has a real uh, patriarchy moment on top of that, where he's like, my brother had everything. He had power. He had the coveted. He had you. And it's like, oh, dude. Classic. Shit, shit, bro. This is too real. I don't like this. Uh, Alex and Cameron pull magically pull off his gloves. And you can see that branded on each of his hands, still glowing with magic, is the imprint of each of their amulets. From the night he tried to kill them as children and couldn't succeed. This was actually a cool effect. I I, I like this effect. This was awesome. <laughs> I feel like this movie had the potential to really be something. It just, unfortunately, it was Disney Channel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Thantos then says that it's too late anyway, summons the darkness, escapes from his restraints, and the darkness comes and consumes Miranda because all these years, Thantos has been slowly draining her of all her powers so that she could no longer fight the darkness. In desperation, Cameron and Alex take each other's hands and once again, the light begins to glow from them as they try to think of the light to once again fight back the darkness, all the while apologizing to each other for their actions and words said over the days because, you know, they, they've said some things to each other and it's good to apologize to one another when you think you're in the wrong. Like, that's how Jade and I have been friends for so long. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. I, I apologize to you. I occasionally apologize for things. And that's why we're friends. <laughs> See? We can do this. I just bulldoze my way through life. Yeah, so, so do I a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> that's how we work. <laughs> but as they are apologizing and talking to one another, the darkness is consuming all around them. And Cameron, slightly through tears, talking to her sister, realizes that love has always been able what's to save them from the darkness. So what saved them the night they were born was the love of their father. And it's what saved her in her bedroom was the love of her mother, when her adoptive mother. When she burst through the door with no thought of her own life to save Cameron, which is again, beautiful. Her mother, her adoptive mother, I don't care. Fucking love her. God, it's great. And this is also when Cameron kind of quotes what her mom said as the darkness is cackling around them, that they can fight the darkness, they can win against the darkness, because unlike the darkness, love is infinite, and they can always make more. And that's pretty cute. So Cameron encourages Alex to say the names of all that they love, and as they do so, the light starts to radiate and blast from them. And they end on the same line of my sister. And on that, the light expands from them, going throughout the castle and throughout the lands of Coventry, banishing the darkness. 
and reoccurring Miranda nearby, success and victory and love ruling the day. It's pretty cute. It's a cute ending. I'm not going to lie. I, I was, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I agree. I was, I was taken in by it. It was cute. They all go back to Cameron's house for her like late night after party, Miranda included, where uh, her adoptive parents are giving Miranda some cake and they're talking and it's really cute and they're all eating cake. Um, Ileana and Karsh have also returned from being banished by the darkness. Ileana wants them to move in together at this dimension. Karsh says this dimension is too expensive, which is like fair. Yeah, valid, especially in this day and age. Right. It's it's a kind of cute interaction, though. I was like, all right, this is kind of cute. We have everyone back. Everyone's together. They're all, like, interacting, having a cute time, eating that giant cake. Uh, Cameron and Alex sit next to each other. Their cake, they kind of, like, shoulder each other lovingly and sing their little Twitches song and then hug. And uh... that's the end of the movie. So this is another one of those we glossed over most of them, but cheesy CGI, proto CGI, early CGI. I don't know exactly. Uh, right before the credits are running, they have like the sun symbol and the moon symbol cover opposite sides of the screen and mesh together. Little bright light flash. Crack me up. What a way to end the movie. It's 2005. We, we let it go, right? Oh, Twitches. So, final thoughts. As I said, I think the middle dragged. I think the middle, we, we didn't know what to do with our time anymore. I like the beginning. I like the ending. I think it's overall an adorable film. I think all the acting is actually pretty damn good for what they are given. The characters are fun. A lot of the lines are cute. The plot's relatively cute. I think if it today, I don't know if it would be handled better. Like I'm not gonna make that vast claim. But I think if they gave it a bit more substance, like a bit more meat, where maybe we had more mysteries of who our villain was, where like a lot of people wore gloves or something. It, it, I feel like they wanted this to be a mystery, but then thought the mystery was too hard and then realized they didn't have a middle of the movie. Well, also, I feel like, you know, it's aimed at like 13 year olds maximum. True. So. It was also produced in the time where I feel like random montages that went nowhere in the middle of films were much more acceptable. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, that was much more a thing. Like, I'm thinking of uh, some of the Lindsay Lohan movies where it was just, like, montage after montage. Same with um, Amanda Bynes. Like, What a Girl Wants. Just had random montages throughout the middle of the film. Overall, I like it. I recommend it if you just want something cute to watch. It's, like, an hour 30. It's pretty short, despite how long we talked about it. But... It was, it was adorable. Um, I'm going to end on this question to Jade. Jade, do you think you are more an Alex or a Cameron? Ooh, uh, Alex. 
I'm pretty downer person. Uh, to be honest. So, I just always say I'm an optimistic pessimist. Just because I always say the worst things, find the worst things, think of those first. But, every single situation I can always find the silver lining. So, I, I'd say I'm, I'm more of an Alex. Used to be a night owl up until apparently fucking adulthood. And now I'm forced to be biological clock is now just set to a morning person but like 11 p.m to 2 a.m is a fucking golden zone it's a beautiful time yeah that was always my favorite growing up especially for magic yeah that's super funny because um i feel like personality wise i'm more of a cameron like I'm much more I'm very bubbly I talk a lot like I'm chatty let's just be real um I do prefer like drawing and pastel art to like writing even though I have written in the past I know you want me to write more that's something else but I think that's kind of funny because when we look at actually like the astral body I would say we relate to more I am definitely more of a moon and you are definitely more of a sun and as a kid I was much more of a early bird like I used to go to bed by like 10 every night I was up by like 7 a.m every day and then it wasn't until I was older like probably in college and just got my sleep schedule fucked that I was like the night's pretty cool (laughs) and (laughs) that's what I switched was like adulthood yeah, so our deep dive. Uh, Want to go into the sun and moon duology? Uh, you know, mythos and magical practice, etc. So as Nikki has kind of gone over already, um, there do typically tend to be like specific traits attributed to the sun and the moon individually. There is, there's honestly, there's a lot of details. There's so much nuance. Uh, Not even just personality per se, but I will say more for the sun. It's typically overarching of like a masculinity, more of a, you know, obviously energy, energizing, proactive, outgoing, um, but at the same time, sort of meditative healing etc the moon tends to be given more like feminist a little bit more introspective reflective reserved I feel like the sun is healing but really I guess more people attribute the moon to healing for magic Um, I feel like I always attributed the sun to some regard because Apollo is also the god of medicine. Something my mom used to do whenever I was really sick. Um, once I kind of like got over the hump of it and you know, you're just like still not feeling really great, but like you can move around and do stuff is she would always make me, if it, the weather was nice, go and sit outside the sun for a little bit. Cause usually you've been like cooped up for a few days in the house. And she thoroughly believed that just, um, you know, like staying out in the sun, getting some air, 
really helped at that like of the healing journey. So, so I agree with you on that. I was always like, yeah, like the sun, health. But I guess actually the moon, I say healing because it's always used for cleansings. Yeah, and like purifyings and all that. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. I think, um, I, I guess, I guess here's where I always think, I suppose, that I just now realize. I guess I always attribute the sun to physical health and wellness and the moon to spiritual health and wellness. Sun witches, though, like nobody ever talks about it. There's the green witch is becoming more common. The kitchen witch, nobody ever talks about sun witches. The kitchen I witch really completely... had a moment in 2020. Oh yeah, definitely. I kind of identify as a sun witch, but like not as a real title. But I feel like that's just my my being. Green witches, etc. You know, they seek out that thing. That's that's the thing. I really fucking love the sun. Like I will. I kind of hate that I'm in Texas now because it was 92 and the humidity is like 68% and it's just gross this week. But I really like to, well, that was probably one of my issues for my seasonal depression. I could sunbathe all fucking day. Me too. And it helped when I got a little older and I no longer really burned. It just like... it got red, and then, like, two days later, it's quote-unquote a tan. Uh, <laughs> it looks white as fuck, but I have tan lines. That's true. I've seen them. Yeah. So, um, all day. Every day in the summer. And I can't do that because then I crash harder when it, you know, comes wintery. But it's fun fact for y'all. See, sun witches are a thing. They like to sunbathe. They like to do things in the sun, etc. I I too really enjoy the sun. Um, I constantly tell people I'm a reptile. Like I just don't handle the cold well, and I have uh, dragon scales like tattooed on me. So I'm like, yes, I am a dragon. I am reptilian, and I need to like be in a warm spot. I, the only other um, thing I have, like, kind of the duality between the sun and the moon is usually on tarot cards. They're depicted very differently with very different aspects. Again, the sun is always seen as, like, that joyous, that joyous, optimistic card and is, like, a white stallion with the rising sun. There's, like, a child or a cherub. It's always seen as, like, opportunity, joy, and happiness awaits you, while the moon is, once again, that kind of, like, mysterious, not dark card, but not completely joyous card, and it's usually also represented by, like, the moon, the dark, and the light, and like the wolves or the coyotes and the water. It's it's definitely like a deeper card, I guess you could call it. So the duality even exists just in illustrations and artwork. I don't think there's something that needs to be like fought or anything. As you were saying, you're a sun witch and I fully support that. I'm a reptile, but I don't do too much with the sun. As I've said, I am a, I'm a night owl by trade. And actually, I really love sunrises. I love them much more than sunsets. Me too. I hate to be awake for a sunrise, but 
I prefer them. They're freaking glorious. But as I was about to say, I also feel that. I think it's because I rarely see them. So it's like when I'm awake and happen to be in the situation to see a sunrise, it is a much more of like a rare awe-inspiring event, I suppose, as opposed to sunsets, which I'm like always awake for. <laughs> I'm always witnessing them. It's like every day. It's a part of my life. Um, as I also said earlier, I think I always attribute myself a bit more with the moon. I, I have a bunch of tattoos I've associated with it since I was a literal child. I, I think me being a night owl also helps with that because like I, I see the moon much more, but I do really like sun work and the symbology of the sun like I think it is underappreciated and underutilized and I think it's really cool and I also really like the aesthetic like I've seen a lot of artwork of it and stuff like the sun witch and like the golden and the yellows and the glows and as I've said I'm also an air girl so yellow is like my color so I think that's really cool I think it's really pretty um I'm not super dark but I'm not as white as jade no that's Jade. <laughs> um, so I'm a little darker. I have a bit more of like an olivey golden complexion, I guess. I'm literally just naming my concealer at this point, which is golden tan. Hi, Elf. What's up? And so I, I fit much more into that gold aesthetic than I do the silver aesthetic, just because that's usually the very like pale skins you know I'm not saying it's right I'm just saying that's usually what you see in the artwork and everything and you know no matter your skin tone go into whatever aesthetic you want like fuck it do you but I I fit very easily into that I look very good in yellows I look good in a lot of colors I'm also kind of vain but yeah I think that's about all we have basically moral of the story If you're a sun, if you're a moon, if you're both, if you're neither, do you find the aspects of it you like, attune to that, work with that, realize the validity in both of them, and just, uh, you know, have a good life. Boom. Hey, y'all. Morals. Uh, If you're not having a good life, though, I completely understand. As we've briefly gone over, too. Uh, I feel like every time, like, I start talking about myself, like, my life is shit. That's the bottom line. It's really fucking not. It gets real deep dark sometimes, but it doesn't get real deep dark at the same time. I don't know. Anywho. I'm a stable person. I'm adulting. Now that I feel validated, (laughs) y'all, you need to be validated too. Um, So if you're also feeling deep, dark down, it's okay. It happens. If you're so dark down that you're contemplating suicide, that's not okay. Do not do that. I don't know you. That doesn't matter. I care that you're not committing suicide. Uh... It is never the answer. I promise. If you're so deep, dark down, you need to talk to someone. It's so hard to do, but it's 
so good for you. Uh, you can start by calling the suicide hotline here in America. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can also now text 24-7 crisis hotline at 741-741. Or honestly, if you walk into an ER, I guess, and you tell them you're having suicidal ideations, they can get you in touch with a psychiatrist and get some observations and help. So there are options. Again, it's so hard to start talking to people about it, but it helps a lot. Thank you everyone for joining us on this movie that we did. It's, it happened. Twitches, twin witches, we saw, we watched, we drank. Uh, we didn't mention it before because it wasn't really a point, but usually we do drinks on our podcasts. Um, tonight, we really didn't do it, mostly because we were drinking the exact same drink, which was a rosé from Enchanting Jade's Vineyards. Not exciting, but exactly the same. So some would say we're twin witches tonight. It just worked out. I'm glad to say you would say it as well. Mm-hmm. nonetheless thank you everyone once more for joining us on this day night evening afternoon morning late moon night early sunrise whenever you happen to be listening to podcasts these days please uh like review comment subscribe whatever you have to do on whatever podcast you're listening to to help other wandering witches uh come our way have a good time with us and thank you everyone for listening you want to hear more of us you can go back and listen to our witches of east end or our motherland fort salem shows which we have done the full first season of each we also have a couple bonus episodes scattered in there in addition to the movie of practical magic which uh once again our enchanting jade did an amazing job editing so thank you jade thank you Please join us again. You can follow us on Instagram where we are just witches on the couch because, you know, you'll like us. Nonetheless, thanks for listening once more and to have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye.